It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, Brooklyn Nets, can we get the first 260 people that want their number eight Dinwiddie jerseys switched on me? You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today we are looking back at Tuesday's games, a pretty busy day in the NBA, eight games on and then previewing Wednesday's action. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed. The first game of the day, the Knicks go down to the Hornets, 97-92. Mitch Robinson. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Yes, it's still frustrating that he played 26 minutes. Yes, it's still frustrating he had four fouls. Yes, it's still frustrating he had a usage of 3.6%. But 10 rebounds... Five blocks, I'll take it every day of the week. The, the encouraging thing with the minutes is it is 26 minutes, but it's with four fouls, and four fouls relatively early on. So they did push through it a little bit. And the, the, the interesting thing is that allegedly now they've assigned Bobby Porter to the G League. Poor you, Punch Bob. Uh, so that's another guy out of that center rotation that more of those minutes are going to have to push to Mitch Robinson, you would think, unless it's to get Kenny Wooten uh, playing time. But I believe he's still in the G League. That might change. But that is something to watch for. Marcus Morris had 23 points in 35 minutes, while Randall had 24 and 5 in his 37, while Lord Alfred Payton, 10, 8, and 8. That's a specialty of Payton. He's a must-roster player in all leagues. Bullock did nothing. Dotson did nothing. Dennis Smith Jr. took off, took over the backup point guard role from Fank Nilakina, playing 15 minutes for 7 points, which is not a bad return in 14 minutes, but still, he's only just a deeper league hold and watch player. 
For the Hornets, Rogier was great, 30 and 10 with four triples on great shooting as well, 8 of 8 from the line, while Miles Bridges only played 26 minutes here, Bridges, but had 15 points, while Nick Batum had that weird little cameo as a, as a uh, rotation player, then started in Paris and now back out of the rotation. And I am I, now that I look back in hindsight, I think the ramping up of his minutes was to lead to him to be able to start in the Paris game. He started, and now he might be out of the rotation as we move forward. Bridges, 15-4, and four, he's okay. He's still more probably a 14-teamer than a 12-teamer. Bill Hernan Gomez has taken over from Bismack Biombo as the backup center. He double-doubled in 19 minutes. He can have value for, say, 16-teamers in that sort of a, a, a minute range. While Malik Monk was the sixth man, 13 points in 23 minutes. That's three pretty strong games in a row for Malik. Probably not a 12-team league guy. If you're taking a flyer, I'd take a flyer on someone like Kevin Porter Jr. over Malik Monk for that sort of scoring role. Uh, had the Terrence Ross probably ahead of those guys. But Monk is trending in the right direction, no doubt. But the guys ahead of him are Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. So they're not going to be losing minutes as the stretch moves forward to give Monk those minutes. Although he will get you know, 20, 20 plus, you would hope, on majority of nights. Graham was ruled out of this game due to an illness, and then he was ruled back in, and he played, and he started, and he played 35 minutes. Now, he was trash. He had five points on eight shots, hit one of them. The 10 assists are nice, but overall, it was a pretty poor performance from Graham. But of course, we cut him some slack due to the illness, while Paul Washington Jr., only the three points on one of nine shooting. He is pretty rough in terms of consistency in his percentages. But eight rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block, a nice uh, contribution right across the box score there. For Paul Washington, I'm going to tell you guys about a new podcast. Imagine for a moment, it's the year 2010. You leave your high-paying job at a blue-chip software company, come home, and do the same thing you've done now for weeks. You go to the medicine cabinet, you grab five painkillers from your cancer-stricken wife's never-ending supply, crush them up into a fine powder, and wash it down with a tumbler of vodka. It didn't used to be this way, and it's about to get much, much worse. This is the story of Robert B., and he tells it on the powerful new podcast, Keep Coming Back, Real Stories of Sobriety and Recovery. Each each week, host Mike S. interviews and unravels stories of people who fell down and have managed to get back up again. The broker who blacked out and woke up in another state not knowing how he got there. The college senior who tried controlling his drinking only to wake up in a jail cell. Everyone loves a comeback story, so subscribe and listen to Keep Coming Back, Real Stories of Sobriety and Recovery. A link to the podcast can be found on the Locked On Offers page. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Let us move on now to the next game. We're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers and the Golden State Warriors. The Sixers get a pretty comfortable win, 115-104. It was a lot. Uh, it wasn't as close as that margin would make it out to be. Draymond almost triple-doubled, 9-9-12 and with a steal and three blocks, and he's been extremely frustrating this season. I wouldn't be leaving him on the wire. 
D'Angelo had 28, 5, and 7 with six triples, really putting up the big numbers. While the little dog, Glenn Robinson, playing well, very, very well. 20 points in 33 minutes with three threes. Absolutely worthy of a 12-team roster spot. I don't think he's a very high upside player, and he's not someone I'd be just sacrificing everything to get, but he is worthy of a roster spot, while Burks had 12 and 6. And Marquez Chris is also a 12-team ad. 15 and 5 in 31 minutes for Chris. He's the starting center. I don't think we're going to have any problem with two-way days for the rest of the season with him because they have uh, yeah, created some calorie, uh, calorie, salary cap space with um, the Willie Cauley-Stein trade. I think they'll wait to the trade deadline to decide, and then they'll just upgrade Chris. Uh, so I think he'll be fine with two-way days. Uh, Jordan Poole, who'd been playing well, struggled here. While Damian Lee is a 12-team drop, six points in 27. The Wizard Amari Spellman, if you added him, he can be dropped. While Eric Pascal is still rostered in far too many leagues. He had four points in 11 minutes, and when Draymond plays, there's just not enough use in him. I'm not even sure his upside's high enough to hold in case of a phantom injury, which, yeah, he might miss some games, Draymond, but there's just not going to be enough consistent production from the triangle to be a 12-team guy. For the Sixers, Joel Embiid returned. He played 26 minutes, had 24 and 10. He wore Kobe's number 24 for this one game. It was really a strong performance from Embiid. And of course, he did have an impact on others like Ben Simmons. But this is not entirely an Embiid issue here with Simmons, who went a weird 9 of 10 from the line. He played only 27 minutes here, Benny. 17, 4 and 5, which is still pretty strong. But Hull Neto was unbelievable. He went on this 15-minute uh, run in the first and second quarter, scoring, I think, 15 points or around that. So maybe it wasn't 15 minutes. It was around that mark. But he ended up with 19 points in 21 minutes. Simmons was going to come back in, and Simmons said to Brett Brown, nah, let Neto just go. He's killing it. So they kept Simmons' minutes down. They didn't need to push anything any further. Interestingly, uh, we had Shake Milton start over Matisse Thibel, who went to the bench and played 24 minutes. Didn't get any defensive numbers, and when he does that, he's useless. I still think we hold on to him if you ha added him for those defensive numbers with Josh Richardson out. Ferky from Turkey, he hit two triples in 22 minutes. Furkan Korkmaz for his eight points, while Shake Milton had 11 in 26 minutes, and they sort of all shuffled those Richardson minutes between them. It's still Thibel, or Thibel is the guy that you want out of that group, while Korkmaz and Milton are points streamer type guys. 10 minutes from Zaire Smith as well. DRC had three points in those 10 minutes of playing time. The next game that we take a look at, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Cleveland Cavaliers. 125 New Orleans, 111 Cleveland. Drew Holiday, 28 points, 8 assists, 3 steals, 4 blocks. He has adjusted to playing with Zion Williamson very well. He will not be traded in my opinion. Really big numbers from Drew. He's excellent. Well, Brandon Ingram, I talked about him on the, sell, uh, the buy low podcast earlier today. And I want to address this because people mention this to me all the time. Yeah, I did weeks ago. I don't know how long ago it was. I had Brandon Ingram on the Sell High podcast. And today he was on the Buy Low podcast. And someone yeah, replied back to me, hey, hey, wasn't he just a Sell High a couple of weeks ago? Yes, exactly. That is literally how all of this works. When Brandon Ingram was shooting 50% from three, when his usage was through the roof, when he was knocking everything down, he was a Sell High because those numbers were unlikely to continue. And then Zion came back and coincidentally, his field goal percentage fell off as we detailed on, the, or as I detailed and you listened to on the buy low show today. He was hitting 20% of his twos or some number around that mark. And that was always going to come back up. So he went from a guy who was at yeah, number 10, number 12, unsustainably high, to a guy that was like 70 and 80, and he wasn't going to be that bad of a shooter, making him a buy low. So if you had Ingram and you sold him at his high point and got back that second round talent and then bought him back at a fourth round price, that is the ultimate aim of all of this stuff. Selling high, buying low. It doesn't matter if it's the same player over a period of three or four weeks. That is what happens. Now, I talked ad nauseum in today's mini show about how Ingram's shoot two-point two percentage and shooting percentage overall would come back up. Well, he hit 69% of his shots, 
Giggity. For 24 points with six assists and two steals. And the usage still lower, 22%. That's the Zion factor. The shooting wasn't, and he was fine here. Lonzo Ball, five points, eight rebounds, seven assists, two steals, one block. The shooting, rough. Everything else, really, really good. Well, and Nicola Melli played 16 minutes and had 11 points. Now, he took some minutes away from Derek Favors. But Favors still was okay. Only 23 minutes, but nine and seven, a steal and a block. That's still okay to be a 12-team league guy. While Zion... The free throw, not great. He's been really poor at that so far, but 14-9 and nine on 54% shooting. He played 30 minutes, absolutely the most important part of that, 30 minutes for Zion Williamson. Josh the Hitman Hart had two points, while uh, Frank Jackson had nine points in his nine minutes. For the Cavs, another good Larry Nance game. 26 minutes, 17, 11, and 7. Should be rostered everywhere. He gets 24 a night, must roster, irrespective of Kevin Love. The fact that they're giving him these minutes now, and they weren't at the start of the season, which was ridiculous at the time, but this is really important to see him getting this level of playing time. It also helps that Kevin Love again played 26 minutes and Tristan Thompson played 23. I've talked ad nauseum again about how I don't think Tristan Thompson's going to be a fantasy playoff relevant player, and we are seeing the minutes roll back down now. They just need to be playing Nance and see what he can do. The Padawan had 24 points. With four assists, that is Colin Sexton. Well, let's talk about Kevin Porter Jr. Second game back from a knee injury. 26 minutes, 21 points, five triples. I think he's absolutely an add-in 12-team leads. Speculatively, now it might be shit. He might be poor. He might be bad, whatever. All that sort of stuff can happen. But the minutes for him were cleared out by the Clarkson trade. Exum's been a spud so far, so there's no need to worry about him too much. He started in place of Garland today and did a fat lot of SFA. So Porter has got that opportunity here as a three-point shooter to get some steals, to get some scoring. Really like his upside there. Love had 12 and 6, while Exum in that start, four points in 18 minutes. Again, I'm always going to reference it. Remember that first game when he came across from Utah and he scored like 28 points? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it's literally never going to happen again for Dante Exum, or that's exactly what it feels like at this point anyway. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. On to the next game. We had the Atlanta Hawks and the uh, and the uh, Toronto Raptors. Uh, pretty comfortable win in the end for the Raptors. 113-1, uh, sorry, 114 to 130. Johnny Collins still ended up with five fouls, but played 33 minutes, 28 and 12. He was massive here. While Cam Reddish started in place of Bruno Fernando, 18 and 6 with four triples. Shot the three ball well, and again, we talk about it. Defensive stats, especially steals and threes, is what Reddish's value is, but he's too inconsistent, as is DeAndre Hunter, who had a nice 15, 6, and 4 game, 14 team leagues only for him, though. Trey Young, 18 and 13, not his best night, while Kevin Herter also struggled a bit, nine points in 38 minutes. But those 38 minutes are probably the most encouraging thing there as Jeff Teague posted five points only, but five assists and four steals. That four steals is obviously really, really fluky. 
For the Raptors, Lowry had 12, 8, and 11. Fantastic stuff from him. While Marcus Sol had to leave early with hamstring tightness. It's the same hammy that cost him all those weeks not that long ago. So Serge Ibaka is a must-add everywhere. 24 and 10 in 27 minutes for Serge. While the Jedi, Oji Ananobi. Hello there. He hurt his shoulder. Now, he brought the defense three blocks, a couple early, with a steal. Only the 27 minutes before he got hurt. He's going to be reevaluated. You know that I think that he's a drop already, already. While Van Vliet had 19 in 29 minutes. And Storm and Norman Powell, the concern was there that the shot was at an exceedingly high level. Now, he brought us four steals, which is nice, but still only six points on two of nine shooting. That's a couple of real stinkers in a row. I still would be holding him, though, in 12-team formats. As for Gasol, let's see what this uh, evaluation on Wednesday brings for the hamstring. But that is obviously not a good sign to see that same hamstring uh, suffer some tightness again. The Boston Celtics beat the Heat 109-101. No Jason Tatum. No NS Cantor. So Daniel Tice, 10 and 11 in 30 minutes. A steal, two blocks. He is a must-roster 12-team league guy. While Haywood had 29 and Jalen had 25 in that, uh, picking up the slack for Tatum's absence, both of those guys shot exceedingly well. Also, they might be considered sell-high players with how they're playing now. While Marcus Smart, 11, 8 and 4, one steal, three blocks. Horrible shooting, but you love the rest of the peripherals there from Smart. While Kemba took a bit of a backseat, 16 points on 26% shooting. Still had the eight assists, and then uh, Ojale, Williams, and Wanamaker made up the rest of the rotation, just a small eight-man rotation. For the Heat, Bam Bam Adebayo had 16 and 10 in the iron shoulder. Goran Dragic knocked in 23 points with Kendrick Nunn out once, uh, once again. While the Spur, Dunk Robinson, he did his thing. Four triples, 12 minutes, sorry, 12 points, 39 minutes. That is exactly why you have him, and that is exactly what he delivered. I talk all the time about Kelly Linick and how unpredictable his playing time is, and say, oh, I was trending up. He was playing 20 a night. I don't think we can trust it. Well, he was out of the rotation entirely. Chris Silver took his minutes in a small lineup that the Celtics trying to combat the Celtics minutes. I don't think that means that's happening all the time, but it's obviously uh, hard to get a judge of where his value lies or Linick. Dion Waiters actually played 18 minutes with none out again and scored pretty well, 11 points, but only a, a deeper league option here, while Jim Butler had 20 and 6. The next game was an absolutely huge scoring game. 151 Milwaukee, 131 Washington. Beal had 47 with six assists. Didn't grab a single rebound. While the tank, Tom Bryant. Started at power forward, which is crazy, but 32 minutes, 18 and 10, six assists, one steal, one block, Good percentages. I worried about what Brooks was going to do with how much he liked Mahinmi and Pesesnik playing at center. But if they're going to play 32 minutes for Bryant, then that gives me great confidence. I don't know what happens when Hachimura returns. Will they just slide Bryant across and play him over Mahinmi and, and uh, Pesesniks? It does look like it based on today's game. So that, again, could be a possibility. But it does give me a lot more confidence in Bryant returning some good numbers as we move forward. With Jordan McRae out, Troy Brown had 16, 7, and 5. He always tends to step up when someone gets hurt. But when they come back, he fades into a Oblivion, while Davis Bertans had 15 points and four triples. For the Bucks, no Yanni out to the Kumpo, so Chris Middleton dropped 51 points with seven triples, 10 rebounds, and six assists, while Eric Bledsoe had 34, 6, and 10. A second player that I had on my buy low podcast who blew up straight after it. 34 and, and uh, 10 is a huge night from Bledsoe. While the big ragu had 16 points, Dante DiVincenzo, in 22 minutes with seven rebounds. Uh, Wes Matthews did have a bit of an injury in this one. He did, had to go to the locker room. He, he did return. So we'll see exactly what happens with Wes. But uh, Dante's got value in his own right in that bench role. Brook Lopez had nine points in his 32 minutes. While this game was a snoozer from very early on. Although the Wizards did fight back in the second half to make it closer than what it was beforehand. The next game up we look at 
was the uh, or still is, in fact, the Denver Nuggets and the uh, and who was it and the, and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies get the win 104 to 96 here against the Nuggets. Big Chungus Nikola Jokic had 25 and 13 in 39 minutes, while Jeremy Grant again continuing to put up big numbers: 21 points, 38 minutes, six triples, four assists, two steals, one block. Roster him and sell him high. Because when Millsap comes back, when Plumlee comes back, Grant will still get a rotation role, and it probably will be larger than what we saw beforehand. But it's not going to be 38 minutes worth. He's going to be 27, 28, and I don't think that makes him a 12-team league guy. Porter, 8 points in 22 minutes with 3 steals. He's trending towards a bit of a drop in 12-teamers at this point. While Monty Morris had 9, 5, and 6. He's more of that 14-team league streamer until at least Jamal Murray returns. Tory Craig started, did nothing. Malik Beasley had four points in only 17 minutes, while Farton Will Barton couldn't hit the shots, but had seven rebounds and five assists with a triple one in another start at point guard. For the Grizzlies, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., only 10 points, but seven blocks. It's good because he had everything else was shit house. Two rebounds, one assist, zero steals, but the seven blocks is awesome. While Morant had 14, 6, and 7, and four steals, while Valanchunas, a big night too. 23 and 12 in 34 minutes for JV. No Jay Crowder, no Grayson Allen, and then DeAnthony Melton, who was announced halfway through the game, wasn't going to play with a sore hand. They talked up about Josh Jackson being called up and activated, and he still didn't play. That's a little bit of a concern as to what they think, but they got John Conchar in for 12 minutes. We had 14 minutes of Marco Goodrich and no minutes at all for Joshy Jackson. Kyle Anderson had four points, but three steals and a block in 27 minutes, taking advantage of Crowder's absence. While Brandon Clark had 12 and six in his 21 minutes, and Dylan Brooks had 24 points, terrible on his free throws, terrible in other areas. A steal and a block is still nice, but only one board and three assists. Still, he has been really, really strong for most of this season. Now, kudos to him for being able to improve as much as he has throughout the course of this season. Now, the last game of the night, the Phoenix Suns smacked the Denver Nuggets, or Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks, 133-104. Huge win for Phoenix on the road. Really poor performance from Dallas. They put the cue in the rack pretty early in this one. Ayton was huge, uh, 31-9 and nine in 29 minutes, while Booker had 32-6-9 and nine with two steals. They did make a change to the starting lineup, Phoenix. McCall Bridges started over Dario Saric and played 34 minutes. 13 points, six assists, two steals, and one block. Now, Bridges has been getting starters minutes anyway, so this move to the starting lineup doesn't make him an automatic ad. If you wanted him before, he was doing a similar thing in terms of minutes, getting those steals. The offensive production here is likely an outlier. He only took five shots. He hit four of them, 80% shooting. If you want the steals, that's fine. Now, you could say his floor is a little bit more solid as a starter to get 30 minutes versus coming off the bench, and I'd agree with that. But really, the Bridges and Sharich minutes looked exactly the same, just coming from a starter versus a bench perspective. And that offensive production is a little bit elevated there for Bridges. Ubre had 19 and 6, a bit of a bounce back, while Rubio still on the buy low scale, 6, 6, and 7. His ankle obviously not quite right, while Sharich had 8 and 4. And we had Tyler Johnson back for 18 minutes in the rotation as Ali Okobo was the latest victim to the point guard shuffle, just 5 minutes in garbage time for Okobo here. For the Mavericks, Seth Curry lost minutes to JJ Breyer, 15, 2, and 7, but nobody played big minutes here. It's hard to judge too much. Cooley Stein, just four points in 12 minutes. I'd still hold a couple more games to see what happens for him after his trade, but I don't believe his upside is high, and he's trending towards a drop, as is Maxi Kleber. In fact, Kleber probably is already a drop in 12-team leagues. They just don't seem to like that Porzingis-Kleber pairing. 
versus the uh, Kleber Powell pairing, and they're looking at Kleber more as a Porzingis replace, replacement versus a Powell replacement. Brunson played 25 minutes and had 15 points. Doncic had 21 and 6 as well. Just an overall mess. Well, Dillon Wright, who'd been playing 30 minutes, saw those minutes cut all the way back down to 16, which is obviously concerning. If you added him, maybe give it a couple more games. But that is really tough to, to deal with the sort of fluctuations in playing time that he is going through. Just a couple of quick injury notes to, to mention here. D'Anthony Melton had that sore hand, so he sat out on Tuesday while Marc Gasol suffered that hamstring tightness. I would expect Gasol misses some time. Uh, Obi hurt his shoulder as well, while Victor Oladipo is set to return tomorrow. Minutes are going to be limited until the All-Star break, but he is set to return, so that's awesome news for Victor Oladipo. Let's move on to DFS now. We're going to be looking at FanDuel pricing for Wednesday's action. All right, let's look at that first game, the Chicago Bulls and the Indiana Pacers for Wednesday. No spread available at this point. The Bulls listing every man and his dog as probable. Thomas Sadoransky, Denzel Valentine, Ryan Archie Chandler Hutchison, the Unicornetto, Luke Cornette, they are all listed as probable, while the Pacers, Malcolm Brogo Brogdon and Miles Turner are questionable. Brogdon's missed the last few with a concussion, and Turner is sick. If those guys are out, of course, with Brogdon out, TJ McConnell and Aaron Holiday get the boost. If Turner is out, it's more for Demontis Sabonis, uh, and uh, Jakar Sampson likely slides into that starting role, but he is not a fantasy option. It does improve the value of someone like Dougie McDirt, though, who's been playing pretty well. The point guards here, Brogo is at 6,200. We talk about the Bulls being a good team to limit opposing point guards. So with Brogdon coming back from a concussion, it is a little bit tough. Of course, I didn't even talk about the biggest news here. Victor Oladipo is going to play. Yeah, Victor Oladipo is going to play. So that's going to have a trickle-down effect on a lot of these paces, guys. I'm not super excited about Brogdon at that 6,200 mark. While Kobe White is at 4,000 and Sadoransky at 52. The production from Tomas has been up lately, averaging 30 points over the last three. That gives him some value. They're probably limited upside, but not a bad cash guy at this point. While Chris Dunny Dunn at 5,900 is putting up the big numbers at the moment. His lowest score in his last five has been 30. That's obviously really good. Uh, do I trust it? God, no. I don't really have any trust in him being able to keep that up, but the steals are obviously really helpful. At shooting guard, all depots at 4000 bucks. I reckon you can use it. I don't know how many minutes he's going to play. You'd have to think, well, he's going to be limited until the All-Star break. I think at $4,000, he is absolutely an option here. He gets 20 points, and that's already broken even, and then anything on top of that is a bonus. So I do like Vic at that sort of a salary. Jeremy Lamb at 44, you can put a pin in him, while Zach Levine's at 8,700. Hasn't quite been at that elevated level that we need him to be at, and the paces have been really good defensively against wings this season. So I'm not sure at 8,700 for Levine, and of course he's dealing with a horrible injury that's mean he's had a probable tag for the entire season. Uh, he's a little bit tougher to use at that 8,700. At small four, Tony Warren Jr.'s at 57. It's been a real roller coaster with Warren. He's been up and down. I don't know how the Oladipo usage suck is going to have an impact on him. I think it will have. That makes him a little bit of a tougher use. Previously, he'd been a really strong floor guy, but that's gone out the window with these inconsistent performances. Dougie McDirt at 3,600. If Miles is out, I think 20 points for him is absolutely in play. He's averaging 23 over the last three, which would be great value at an almost minimum salary. While Hutchison and the Den... The, the Den? The Hammer, Denzel Valentine at uh, 37. Um, the Hammer was really good last game. I just don't think we want to use those blokes. At power forward, DeMontis Sabonis at 85. Just smash that. Really love it, especially against whatever this trash is the Bulls run out in the front court. While Thad Young's at 55. He is a strong floor guy with limited upside, averaging 27 over his last three. Cornette. 
At 4,500, really hard to predict what's going to happen. 15 minutes or 30 minutes, he's all over the shop. He had 32 last game. I'm not sure he's going to have any success with Sabonis whatsoever, but the options are fairly limited for Chicago. Cornette would just be a tournament player. Chris Felicio is a nothing player, while Turner at 5,200. It is a good matchup for centers going up against the Bulls. We don't know if Turner is over his illness at this point. He is just a tournament guy with just how bad he has been, especially over this recent stretch. The Detroit Pistons and the Brooklyn Nets go up next. Um, DeAndre Jordan and Kyrie Irving look like they are back in action for Brooklyn. At point guard, oh, actually, sorry, we better mention the big avocado. Andre Drummond is questionable for Detroit. Sekou Dumbaya is probable with an ankle injury. Derek Rose missed last game with a knee injury. He is probable, while Tone Snell is ill, so he is probable in this one as well. Oh, he's missed the last three with that illness. Obviously, the big issue there is the, the big avocado. If Drummond is out, you're going to get Thon McCare start, and you're going to get Chris Wood, the crucifix, get the bulk of those minutes, and he would become everybody's DFS darling. Absolutely no doubt about that. At point guard, Irving's at 9,300, and that's because he's just putting up massive numbers when he plays. It's not a bad price. It's not a bad option in a te- against a team who's pretty trash, but Irving at that price, there is an element of risk there. It's not all that big. Derek Rose at 7,500 has been absolutely rolling. The matchup's not a negative one for Rose, so at, at that price, I like him, but this is a game where we're going to have most likely Rose, Jackson, and Brown all going at it. Like, who's going to get those touches? I think it's still going to be Rose, but it puts a, a marginal level of doubt there. As for Jackson at 4,400, Last game was probably more realistic for him. 22 points in 25 minutes, which at 4,400 probably doesn't get it done. He's more of a tournament guy than anything. At shooting guard, Spencer Dinwiddie's at 6,900. Giggity. Yeah, he is. Um, it's 35 last game with Irving out. I, I don't really think that there's great impetus to have him as a must-roster guy. Same with Karis LeVert or the Shark, Bruce Brown at 4,300. Baby Just not interested in them, nor with Svi McKay, Luke, or Garrett Temple, or Tone Snell. At small forward, Torian Prince, the artist formerly known as Torian Prince. He's at 4,700, not the best DFS option. While Smoke and Joe Harris is doing nothing, and Baby Neck Wilson Chandler also not in the mix for me. At power forward, Jared Allen's at 62. That's an elevated salary. It's a return of DeAndre Jordan, so that, to me, is a big no for Allen. Now, big men and centers in general just have dominated the big avocado pretty much all season. So that is, I guess, some GPP upside there for Jarrett. But the return of Allen puts a little bit of a, a ceiling on it. Seko Dumbaya uh, had one point, uh, sorry, uh, had 16 points last game, averaging 10 over his last three. It's just not happening for him at this point. And then onto your centers, the Avocado himself at 10 2. And if there's anything better than playing against Drummond, that is playing against the Brooklyn front line, and Drummond's going to get that opportunity. He should smash if he gets that opportunity. While DeAndre's at 4,900, I just think pretty limited upside in what DeAndre Jordan's going to be able to do in terms of. Um, in terms of his playing time with Jared Allen there around. Next game for us to take a look at, if it comes up on my screen, it is the Memphis Grizzlies. It is also the New York Knickerbockers, both of these teams on a back-to-back. The Grizzlies are two-point favorites, and the total is 224.5 points uh, in this one. We don't have any indication of uh, you know, rests or anything coming for these players. Jay Crowder sitting out for Memphis today. He'd be the one that we need to watch because that opens up minutes for the wave pool to Anthony Melton. It opens up minutes for Kyle Anderson and maybe more minutes for Josh Jackson, who has been made active. At point guard, the wave pool is at 4,300. I don't really love him for DFS, but I do like Lord Alfred Payton as a really strong floor guy. 6,200. 
Prior to uh, Tuesday's game, he's averaging 35 over his last three. Pretty strong option. Well, Jar Morant's at 73. Also think that he's not a bad play against this Knicks team. At shooting guard, Bullock's at $4,000. I don't really care for that. Well, Dylan Brooksy Brooks at 56. I'm all about Brooks at that salary. That's really, really low, and he has been really strong for most of this season. At small forward, Marcus Morris is at 58. Similarly, really strong floor with some upside. He seems to have some value there. While, um, uh, where are we? Uh, Jay Crowder at 4,300. No, thank you at all. At power forward, Randall is at 7,500. I think he's a really strong floor guy with some upside value as well. So he looks good here. Brandon Clark, I'm not that keen on. Taj Gibson at, at 36. I'm not going to get excited about that either. While Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. is at 6,400. Probably more of a tournament guy. At center, Mitchie Robinson's at 4,500. It's just really tough to trust the minutes that Mike Miller gives him. Now, the matchup's super intriguing, uh, only for tournaments there. Punch Bob Portis at 4,100, no thank you. And Jonas Valanciunas at 65, I think we can do a little bit better than that, although he has had some pretty good strong games this season. The Utah Jazz, the San Antonio Spurs. Will we get Mike Conley off the bench again? Almost definitely, but he is down at 3,800. That should give him absolute fantastic GPP upside value. Now, he played 25 minutes last game. He was still shit in that time, but he still had yeah, 25 minutes. It is encouraging. If he gets to 22, 23 Fangio points, and he's beaten his value, and that's not that far. Maximum Derek White's at 4,400. A real disappointment for him against the Bulls, but prior to that, he was rolling. That's a really strong salary for White, so I, I like it. Uh, again, there is a little bit of trust issues there with San Antonio. Well, DeJounte's also at 44. I would take Maximum Derek over DeJounte, but probably still just for tournaments. Pat Mills is at 4,100. He got hot last game, and that was part of the reason why Murray and White saw their minutes decreased. Mills is really tough to rely upon, though. For your shooting guards, DeRozan's at 7,900. I think that's pretty strong, although the matchups are negative. Jordan Clarkson's a strong no, as is Bryn Forbes. While the Don, Donovan Mitchell. He's gone. He's good. He's at 7,600. I like that. He's averaging 39 over his last five. No reason for me to think that San Antonio's got any plan to stop him. At small four, Jingle and Joe Ingles at 5,100 is not working for me, nor is Rudy Gay, while Boyan Bogdanovich at 57 is a really solid price for Boyan, and I think that there is cash value in using him at that salary. For your power forwards, we're looking at Trey Lyles, who had a bit of a breakout last time. Uh, cool. I, I don't care in the slightest. Royce O'Neal, George Niang, neither. Well, at center, LaMarcus Aldridge is out, so Jakub Pertl at 4,400. He absolutely detonated last game. 40 points in 36 minutes. A positive uh, matchup, surprisingly, against Utah. I do like Pertl to at least beat his value number, while Gobert at 9,200. Look, he'd been really, really good. A little bit disappointing in the, in the Jazz's last time out. But at 9,000, that was against the Rockets, 9,200. It's maybe just a little bit too high there for Rudy to be uh, to be considered a, a must-roster player. Let us go on to the next game, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Sacramento Kings. Chris Paul is not in the injury report, so he'll likely be back, while Marvin Bagley and Rishon Holmes are both out for Sacramento. Um for your point guards, Paul's at 7,200. Really like that. Strong floor value for Chrissy there. Well, De'Aaron Foxy Fox is at 8,100. He's also been a 40-point monster. But I would just take Chris Paul and save myself $900 in that scenario. And no, Corey Joseph and Yogi Ferrell, no thanks. Bogdan Bogdanovich, probably going to start again. Probably going to do nothing again. But at 4,400, if he plays 30-plus minutes, which he has been, uh, there's a real chance he can get a 28 or 29-pointer. And that's not outrageous. I think he's a tournament option here. While Gilgis Alexander is at 75. And I like the floor value in Shea at that price. 
Budrick Hills at 65, absolutely been detonating off the bench, putting up huge, huge numbers. 50 points last game. Um, it's, a, it's a high salary, and it is, does require him to have that really high usage and to hit the shots. Probably more for tournaments, while Schroeder is at 6,000, and he's been strong at that sort of a salary. Lugens Dort will probably get another start with Terence Ferguson out. Hope everything's okay with Terence, because he's been out for a long time here for personal reasons. Hope everything's okay. The Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock! 6,200, like the floor value, like the value in general. While the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Yeah, don't worry about him. Um, Kent Bazemore, 3,900. Played pretty well last game, but uh, game, but I, that was against the Timberwolves, so I think we discount that one. Nemanja Bielitz is up to 6,400 because he is dominating. 56 points in that game against Minnesota. Now, this matchup's a little bit different, so this might be one to fade off of him at an elevated price, but not a complete uh, yeah, miss there. Nerlens Noel's at 43. No, thank you. And on to center. Steven Adams is all the way down to 5,000 because he has been trash, like absolutely trash, averaging 12 points over his last five. The matchup is considered a negative one, but that's mainly when Holmes is playing center. We're likely to get the Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, play at center here. I think it's GPP value for Steve Adams. As for the Undertaker, he's not really even cracking 20 points, so it's not all that exciting. Uh, for us to, to get into him at that salary. All right, on to the next one now. We're looking at the Houston Rockets and the Portland Trail Blazers. Both Jim Harden and Clint Capella are questionable. Who knows what the Rockets will do with that rotation? They started PJ Tucker last time and barely played Isaiah Hartenstein. We didn't see any Chris Clemens minutes, but what we'd be, be pretty confident about is a big Eric Gordon role, an increased Daniel House role, and an increased Austin Rivers role in Harden's absence, and Tabo Cephalosha taking some of Capella's playing time. At point guard, Damian Lillard is all the way up to 9,800 because he is averaging averaging 76 Fangio points over the last three games. That is out of control, and this matchup's a positive one. Now, that salary is real high. That is almost 10 grand for Lillard, and I'm not massively confident that he can get there, but I'm not completely ruling it out, but it is a pretty elevated price tag. Well, Russ Westbrook's at 11,000. If Harden's out, I I like it, uh, especially considering how good the matchup is here against Lillard. I think we can still consider Russ an option even if Jim plays, but it's not quite as good. Rivers is at 4,000, and if Harden's out, I'm all about Rivers there. That is almost 7x value locked in. He's been really, really good of late. While CJ McCollum's at 74, probably just a little bit too high for me for Siege. Jimmy Harden's at 10.7. The value is dipping for him at the moment. Uh, With a sore thigh, I probably wouldn't be... Would probably wouldn't be investing heavily into him, nor with Ben McLemore. Uh, Eric Gordon at 6,100. If Harden plays, yes. If Harden plays... Sorry, if Harden doesn't play, yes. If Harden does play... Uh, no. Well, Gary Trent's been you know, playing okay, but not really a DFS guy. Mallow's at 5,900. I feel like the upside's pretty low, but I don't mind his cash floor value at that sort of a salary. Get close to a 30-point game. Well, Dan House at 42, really elevated last game. 47 points in 46 minutes with uh, Harden and Westbrook out. That probably won't, well, that won't be the case because Westbrook will play. Uh, and Harden, we don't know. It's really hard to get too excited about House. Or Trevor Ariza had 10 points in his second Blazers game after having 37 in his first. He's at 3,700, so he's not an outrageous play at that salary. I think he actually is worth looking at as a GPP guy, but don't expect too many good things. At power forward, uh, Tucker is at 4,300. If Capella's out, I like him at that salary as a cash guy, not really a tournament player. While at center, Capella at 7,800 has been a little bit down, and it looks to me like he won't play, and Harden will. So I think we'll uh, ignore him. While Hassan Whiteside at 8,900. The world. 
I think you have to feel pretty good about Hassan at this point, averaging 46 over the last five. That looks like some pretty good value to me as an option over on Fangio. Now, let's look at some DraftKings guys that I do like. McCullum, Gildas Alexander, Fox, Drummond, Steve Adams, Levine, Paul, Gobert, Sadoransky, Boyan, Bogdanovich, as well as Jakob Pertl, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and a bit of an upside play on a $3,800 Mike Conley. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Give me a thumbs up, leave a comment down below, tweet at me, Instagram at me, all of those things. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Spencer Dinwiddie. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.